There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Afternoon, Drive Live Talks today is our regular afternoon segment. It is a little bit earlier than it was. 4.20 it kicks in and today it is all legal issues. Drive Live Talks Legal. Or legal matters. If you have a question, you're welcome to text it in. Our legal expert today is Ali Al-Assad. He's from Yamala and Pleska. Usual numbers, 4001 on the text. The free messenger app, if you'd like to text for no money at all, or if you'd rather call 423-1010. Part of the program yesterday, and it's where we start this segment today, was excise tax, NLT, that kicked in, didn't it? Yeah, and, and there were reports yesterday of a few people, Ali, stockpiling... Um, things the day before, getting their soft drinks in, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people are still a bit confused about the rules here. Can you give us a bit of an overview about what's been introduced? So basically, just if we, as you mentioned, the, start, the starting line was yesterday, 1st mm. of October 2017. Under uh, this new regulation, now fizzy drinks, uh, uh, tobacco and uh, energy drinks, all of these are subject to additional taxes now. We are talking for... The soft drinks, we are talking about a rate of 50% extra. And for the other two products, the tobacco and whatever is derivated from it, and for the energy drinks, we are talking about 100% extra. So the idea, you mentioned something about piling. Like if individuals are rushing to buy, like uh, keeping some uh, extra, let's say, inventory in their own houses or stuff, yeah, that's something that was possible up to certain limits. But despite we heard that some shops are refusing to sell, to sell you like massive quantities, but for suppliers, like if suppliers, let's say, for example, everybody was anticipating the date, if for any supplier was trying to uh, uh, save or to accumulate uh, like uh, excessive uh, volumes of inventory in his warehouses, the authorities have a way to chase him even for that and for ta- to tax it in the future. Wow. And, and we heard a bit of confusion yesterday. So we know that um, carbonated soft drinks, for example, um, could potentially be confused so some people were like well is the sparkling water count does that fall in the same bracket as cola because some shops were confused some people were charged twice as much for fizzy water and that's that shouldn't be included in it so basically as per the applicable regulations now the, the carbonated water if it's not flavored it's not covered under the the excise tax but if let's say we have carbonated uh, water that have flavors and stuff then it will be treated as a normal soft drink well, see, this is what's interesting, isn't it? I suppose there's a distinction that needs to be made. According to the FTA website, the Federal Tax Authority, the guidelines that they posted, sparkling water should not be taxed. But this comes down, you can be pedantic about this and say some flavoured waters, it's not absolutely clear what's there. I suppose you could argue that some are naturally flavoured. I, I don't know if that's a potential loophole or, or does it, does uh, it cover uh, no, As per the regulation, it mentioned non-flavoured. Fl- non so it's absolutely yeah, yeah, if you see the draft of the regulation itself it say like non-flavored the flavored will be treated differently because whenever it's flavored then we have the issue of the sugar coming inside the components sure. and this is the main reason behind the soft drinks being so people are just flouting the guidelines and yeah. trying to get away with it yeah even yesterday we came across a, a situation that uh, now we have like certain products they have the price printed already on the can <laughs> so how's it going to be the situation now we have a price showing 1.5 and now it will be sold for point 2.25 so how it will be treated we'll see in the next few days Mm, okay. It's interesting that one when the the, the the label already has the price printed on, but I guess rules are rules, and it started. And if the cans are printed previously, it's tough luck. It's also interesting to see if uh, some of the larger supermarkets. You made the point there; some people were stockpiling, uh, weren't they? I was out on Friday, sorry, Saturday evening, and 
some of the cola beverages just weren't mm. available. I got the last six pack of one of them. Oh. I flocked to that area and uh, <laughs> surreptitiously ran to the uh, checkout, of course. But it's interesting. Um, and you wonder if, if you're going to some of the smaller retails, whether you can still get these goods at a cheaper price or not. I don't quite know uh, when it's actually going to kick in. I was listening to the business breakfast yesterday morning. And it does depend on stock levels, doesn't yeah, it? Be, because the idea here, like, there is a situation like... It's, it might be a bit hard to monitor or to chase it case by case, but yeah. the idea is what? That if, for example, we have a shop now who purchased, let's say, uh, 10 boxes of tobacco. He, he bought it under the previous price. Yeah. If now he would sell it according to the, to the current price, after adding the excise tax, he will be charging the consumer excise tax despite himself he didn't pay it, which means there will be a window here for uh, people to make some kind of like extra benefit or, let's say, extra income, which may not be allowed. So, so if you have uh, stuff that you already bought it under the old price, you should have to keep sending it under the old price. Okay, so if you, for example, did go to, I don't know, the, the, your supplier and you bought all the soft drinks, and then on the supermarket the next day, um, the price is supposed to be increased, but you've bought the stock at the cheaper price, Do are they obliged to sell it cheaper? Uh, if we want to stay uh, like in a reasonable way, yes, like... Uh, if the if the supplier is buying it for cheap, he should sell it for cheap. If he's buying for after adding the exercise starts, he should sell it for the exercise start. But how to monitor it? That's something we need to see. Yeah, we've had a text in um, mm. saying, I like soda water. The last time prices were hiked, one brand increased to nine dirhams, like soda pop, one remained at six dirham. It'll be interesting to see how they change now because, of course, it's the way that this price is carried on to the consumer as well because um, part of a retail price is made up of lots of elements. So so it's difficult to quantify which which elements mm. will go up. So basically now any supplier who's making this sales, let's say it's not that going to be the end shop. It will be more like the producer or the importer or whoever have like the massive warehouses where they keep the big uh, uh, quantities of these products. So the idea is they have to take a certain item, take the average price of it after including all the taxes except the VAT. From there, they will come with an average price, which is the actual selling price. Based on that, the excise tax will be calculated. Which means if we if we take for example a bottle of soft drink you buy it from the supermarket usually for 1.5 dirham, mm. okay. Now we will have the v, uh, starting January we will have the VAT to calculate the excise tax you take the VAT out. So you basically you just add the, add the customs and if there is any taxes applied by the municipality from there we'll end up with a price you apply the 100 percent or the 50 percent to this price, okay. And this price can be subject to reviews from the authorities if there is any manipulation in the prices the authorities will interfere. And this will bring us to another topic, that the same bottle of water that you currently buy from the supermarket for 1.5 dirham, if you go to a five-stars hotel or to, let's say, a restaurant, the price there might be times 10. In this situation, the 50% is not going to apply to this high price. It will always apply to the original price, which is the 1.5. I, d- I did wonder that, you know, what's going to be applied in, say, a five-star hotel, which has overheads and service charges and everything mm-hmm. else, and I get that. Uh, I don't agree with people charging 20 dirhams for a cola beverage, but people do. What happens? Is that going to be, well, it's 50% up. We can put another 50% on that. I just wonder how that's going to... Basically, as per the regulation, if you are, if the hotel is selling the, peps, uh, the soft drink can for 20 dirham, he mm. should not sell it now for 30 under the attitude that now we have excise tax. They should add just the uh, 50% that we can add to the original price, which is like 2 dirham. So instead of 20, it should be maybe like 21 or 22. 
nothing more. Yeah, we can dream, can't we? Let's, let's hope it should that. be that way, at least. <laughs> it should be. Uh, Ali Al-Assad is here from Yamala Room Plesker talking about excise tax there. If you have a legal question for Ali, he uh, is well able to answer questions that come in. This is Drive Live with Natalie Lindo-Taylor and Tim Elliott. Afternoon. Welcome to Drive Live. If you've just switched your radio on, we were talking about excise tax just now. Ali Al-Assad is here from Yamala Room Plesker. Drive Live's talks today is legal. Elan text in as we're talking about excise tax tax, looking at some people saying carbonated water uh, yesterday, they've been overcharged for carbonated water. Yeah. You're not allowed to do that. The FTA, the Federal Tax Authority, says if it's not flavoured, carbonated water should remain at the same level. Elan says, I like soda water. So, can I just ask a question, because this always confuses me, the difference between a seltzer, soda water and carbonated water. Some of them have salt in them. Is that what it is? I think what so. About tonic? <clears throat> That's got quinine and things like that in it. Okay. I think... Um, Carbonated water is just that mineral water that's fizzy and that's carbonated, but um, soda water has added salt in it. And that's all it is? I think so, yeah. If you look at the salt, water has a natural salt content, but it's even more than that in soda water, I think. Gosh, it's like Googling talking to you. Oh, no, I could be wrong. Someone probably will text in and tell me I was wrong about the German, like the German yesterday. (laughs) I got the V and the W mixed, mixed up, so I'm sure we'll find out. We have had a text in on this, actually. No name on this, but it does say, you know, as we were talking about the prices, in America there are standard prices on each product, um, and from one state to another the receipt reflects the final actual price because it incorporates the tax. So it does vary from state to state. So, for example, you may see a magazine and it's $3.99, but on the receipt in California the price might be 5 because of tax, whereas in Oregon they will only charge you $3.99 because they don't have sales tax. Um, So he's saying, yeah, there doesn't doesn't need to be an issue if the label's already printed because the receipt should show the final price. Mm. It's not as though you drive to Cali- uh, from California to Oregon though to get cheaper soda, is it? No, but you just know that the sales tax varies. Okay, fair enough. We'll be piling down to Adjman to buy our cola beverages uh, from now on. Drive live. Talks legal. I'm not suggesting that cola beverages are cheaper in Adjman, by the way. I look forward to your angry texts. Well, our guest <laughs> today for Drive Live Talks Legal is Ali Al-Assad from Yamalava and Plekka. Um, we do have another topic to look at today, Ali. It's just the news that you can now register online for your will here in Dubai. So basically, yes, for the DIFC wills, that as we know, since was established, always the presence of the parties was uh, mandatory in person or through a POA at the DIFC prem- premises to register your will. Until recently, a new service was launched where now, if we have a person who is willing to rent a will and provided that this will is limited to property assets in Dubai and Ras al-Khaimah or to free zone companies' shares in Dubai and Ras al-Khaimah, if you are talking about only these two assets, you can approach the DIFC online, file your will there without need to come to Dubai. However, if you want to add any movable assets or let's say anything related to the custody of any minor or kids you may have, then in this situation you cannot benefit from the online service. You have to revert back to the traditional way of doing it. Okay. Well, the one problem immediately I thought was uh, apply for something online. Okay, for something like this you can kickstart the process. That's fine. But with a will, you generally need witnesses to sign off on that. Well, you need to be able to prove identity. That's not just having... Mm-hmm. An Emirates ID card or a passport or some form of ID. It's also having people there to witness the signing, isn't it? Basically, this might be so. I cannot guarantee how they will do it in practice. But it might be solved in two ways. Either they will introduce certain type of e-signature or in the event you can bring a specimen signature attested abroad by the relevant authorities, let's say by all the notary publics and the UAE Embassy and Ministry of Foreign Affairs, and you may be uploaded online. 
that's something we have to see how they will do it in practice. And do you think this is something that they'll receive a lot of uptake from? Do you think there's a lot of people out there who maybe think, oh, wills look too expensive, this could be a cheaper option for me to have something sorted? Yeah, let's say if we have someone who have, like, let's say, one or two properties in Dubai and he's living abroad and he's not a permanent resident in the UAE, it might be a bit like costly, especially if we're talking about someone fl- flying, let's say, from South America or from Osea, which is like a long distance in general. It will be quite expensive to come here to Dubai. You have to book hotels, you have to arrange your flights, whatever permits you may need, and later you have to hire someone here in Dubai, a professional service provider who can draft this well for you. So it may, like the fees may add up uh, without like realizing you'll end up paying some good amount of money. In that way, it's very convenient money-wise and even time-wise. Some people, maybe they don't have even the time to travel or to plan a trip or something like that. So if they can do it online, it will be much, way, much more convenient. And if you were, say, one of these people who lived overseas, you've invested in property here, maybe just thinking Dubai's um, developing quickly, I want to get in on this, and you decide to do that. And then maybe a few years down the line you think, well, do you know what, I really could imagine myself living there and you decide Mm -hmm. to move to Dubai. Will this will still stand if you move to the country or is it only for people that are based internationally? Uh, Basically, uh, there is a situation where whenever you applied, uh, you, you are not a UAE resident, it's fine. But even if later you get residency, I don't think it will change the situation because residency status, like uh, if someone, let's say we have this scenario, someone attested this well while he had no residency, later during his life he moved to Dubai, he had a residency, and all of a sudden he had an accident. Like I don't think we can affect his will by just the fact that being resident or no. As long as the starting point is fine, I think no, nothing will be affected. And this is a new thing. It came into effect from yesterday, and it's for investors living abroad, real estate assets or shareholdings in free zone companies to buy a Russell Kamer, as you said. I'm just looking at some of the other information here, and this is interesting, and it kind of answers my uh, witness question just now. The draft can be registered in real time by video conferencing with a, a registry officer based here in Dubai. Uh, whether or not you have to set up a special secure link, I don't know quite how that works, but it's, I mean, that's a break from tradition because traditionally it has always been about legal documentation, having witnesses there, but according to the press release, clients and witnesses no longer need to attend an appointment on site and you can then have a binding legal document. Yeah, even if we thought the idea of like video conference for different testimonies or statements, Recently, we heard some news. I cannot, we cannot confirm it for now. That at certain times, the court may consider whenever there is investigation on whatever there is a statement to be given by a witness over a case, if they will be able to establish that a secure, the let's say the technical connection between the court and the the location where this witness is there, it might be accepted at certain time. Okay. So that's something still developing. And that would be a specific registry officer, somebody approved by DIFC courts in... I believe so, maybe at the embassy or maybe at specific like uh, service centres, that might be the case. Mm. And this does quite strictly apply to people with um, up to five properties in the case of a person or up to five companies in case of a business. It, w- why is there a limit on five? Basically because the, when the matter started, like, there is a certain fee over, uh, let's say, 7,500 dirham up to five properties. If you exceed five properties, there is always different process and calculations that may apply. Okay, single property will is seven and a half thousand dirhams. Two mirror property wills ten thousand. It moves up. So the base price is there's seven. a matrix for the calculation. Okay, all right then. So you can now register online wills in Dubai. Uh, this is the DIFC wills and probate registry. Uh, Saturday launching it actually, but it came into effect uh, Saturday morning. The virtual registry and it allows international investors to register witness a will directly through the new smart service. Uh, an official legal 
documentation. Let's look at another uh, new uh, piece of news. This is the president of the UAE, Sani Sheikh Khalifa Mazayed al-Nahyan, has just approved the law specifying working conditions for domestic workers. Top line of this, Ali, is a regular weekly day off, 30 days of paid annual leave, minimum of 12 hours of daily rest, uh, including at least eight consecutive hours. Uh, it's very good news. comes into effect two months after it's published in the official Gazette. Do we know when that will be published? Basically, there is no uh, limited period or, let's say, regulated period for it when it will be published. But uh, usually, like, every month we have one or two volumes of the official Gazette. So it might be published, let's say, anyway, like, we anticipate maybe uh, around the middle of October, which mm-hmm. means middle of December we can start seeing this law in practice. Okay. Okay. It's, it, it, I mean, like you said, it's good news. Um, we don't know when it will start, but the fact that it applies to people who work, the new law covers sailors, parking valet workers, gardeners, cooks, nannies. And, and you do hear stories sometimes of people being put in quite difficult positions. So it makes the law very clear now, Ali. Yeah, because uh, historically, uh, this uh, uh, type or this criteria of Im- basically they are providing the service, they are providing the work. So similar to an employee, However, they were always exempted from the labor law, which means all the stuff we have at, uh, in the labor law about like annual leave, arbitrary dismissal, end of service, they were not mm-hmm. subject to it. The entire relationship between the sponsor, or let's say the employer, and this, uh, uh, la- uh, this uh, sector or this part of employees, it used to be regulated by a simple, simple employment contract registered at the immigration. Mm. And once you have a dispute over it, like it was very complicated for one of these uh, people, especially we are talking here about people that usually their salaries are not... Uh, very high so to go and hire a lawyer and file a case so they end up sometimes in a bit complicated situation and approaching the court was like mean like you have to follow a normal court with whatever it needs from fees or whatever other uh, obstacles or uh, obligation you may have to abide by while under the new law there is a plan to uh, allocate certain role to the ministry of labor to manage these disputes and to have uh, that special court committees free of charge to hear these disputes. So whenever, let's say, we have a maid or we have a personal driver who have a dispute with the employer, they have the right to approach the Ministry of Labor uh, for mediation. At the first stage, they can ap- approach the Dubai courts or whatever court, whenever, depending on which emirate they are, and there will be a case of free of charges where they don't have to pay any filing fees to file it. Ali Al-Sad is from Imal Rumpletka. He's our legal expert this afternoon. We're talking about the new law uh, for domestic workers that has just been approved. We'll look at that in a little bit more detail in a moment. This is Drive Live. Get in touch with the show. Text us on 4001. Good afternoon, it's 1025. Drive Live. Talks legal. Ali Al-Assad is here. He's from Imala and Pleska. We've been talking about the new law which is being introduced two months from when it appears in the official Gazette, perhaps in the next few months' time. That should be uh, signed off officially, if you like. But what it does is specifies working conditions for domestic workers. So, essentially... Weekly day off, regular, 30 days paid annual leave, 12 hours of daily rest minimum, at least eight of those must be consecutive. Also, and I think it's really worth pointing out here a couple of other things, uh, all the details of this are on the Area News Centre website. The new law covers explicitly sailors, guards, parking valet workers, farmers, gardeners, domestic workers, cooks, nannies, 
private trainers, nurses and drivers. And one thing that is really important to outline, because I think uh, it's been confused for some time, household workers also have the right to retain personal documents such as passports and IDs. It's really important to get that across. It is Your passport is not even your own property. It is the property of the country from which you uh, hail, isn't it? Correct. Basically, the only party who have the right to retain a document in the UAE is authorities. Let's say you are arrested on bail at the prosecution. There you can drop your passport, but for your employer, regardless, you are a domestic worker or an employee, have no right to withhold the passport of uh, under any excuses. Because sometimes we hear excuses about like, okay, we have people who have access to cash, we cannot keep their, pa- we cannot give them their passports. Like, imagine just the situation where you are working in your home country, you run, let's say, an exchange house, and you have your employees who are y- your nationals in this country, and they don't have passports even. How do you secure yourself there? That's a good point. You can follow the same system here, but just here because there is always that uh, some employers have the idea that, okay, we have very simple and like cheap recourse, so we keep the passport and that's it, which is not allowed. And even, for example, if we take Dubai, if we have any individual who's facing this scenario and they would like to take their passport back and the employer says no, all what you have to do, approach the Dubai course, there is something called the urgent matter judge. You can file a request and write in. Within 48 hours, you, ha- you will have an enforceable court order asking the employer to hand over your passport to you. And whenever we are saying about enforceable, do- enforceable order, then in the event the employer does not abide by it, you have the right to bring the authorities to force the employer to abide by the judgment. So if you are awarded an enforceable order yes. and your sponsor in this instance, take this as the instance, and yes. your sponsor says, no, I'm, I'm keeping your passport, yes. you can go to the police station with the order yes. and ask the police to accompany you to yes. your sponsor and get your Yeah, yeah because usually the enforceable court order will have a clear word in it saying that this is final and enforceable and authorities should support whoever, like the claimant, by whatever uh, legal ways to to enforce this document mm. or this decision. And in practice, in such situations, it's the police. That's interesting. And I think people do or, or thought this is something that's coming in, but this has been the law for some time. You're not, you're not allowed to take anyone's passport. Th- this was always the main regulation, but now we have even a very specific pl- draft saying that you are not allowed to withhold it because you have always the issue of mentality versus practice versus law. Okay, we've had a question on this. It says, does the new law apply to people in those professions who work for large companies rather than just individual families? Here we are talking just about personal, uh, like domestic workers, which means if we have a company that's hiring a cleaner, they are not subject to this law because by law, this cleaner is an employee. is not someone uh, providing a service or a job at a, uh, in a house. He's an employee and he's sponsored or he's covered by the regular employment law. Is there anything uh, anywhere in the law of anything, I don't know, a free zone holding a passport for any reason? Is there, are there any exemptions to this? Do you know of? Uh, we heard some stuff, but, uh, but it's, I, I don't have the official document showing that right. this was free zone or this authority have the right to hold a passport. I heard stuff about it, but I cannot confirm it. All right, then. Uh, here's a question for you. Uh, s- let me see. I resigned from my previous company during the month of March. I wasn't getting paid almost six months uh, without pay, which is the reason I resigned. I I signed the paper of the Jews as the employer agreed to pay pending salary on reg- at regular monthly intervals. However, the employer has again stopped paying for the last uh, two months. What can this person do? Okay, in this situation, I prefer to see the document to tell you exactly what to do, but I'll give you the general overview. If you resigned from the company and you signed a imp- uh, settlement agreement w- under which like, your employer will pay you these installments, if this is the case, that you are not working for them anymore, in this situation, we are not talking anymore about employee-employer relationship. It's a relationship between two parties, which means you don't have to file a labor case. You have to go and file a civil case for that, right. where you pay the normal uh, filing fees and the normal process. 
if you are still working for the same employer and this is just some kind of rescheduling at that, then it's the normal labor case. Okay, there's no name on this one, Ali, but it says, what if um, you know you, you use this law and you want to get the passport back or you use the process that you talked about with an urgent order? Um, what if the employer fires or threatens to fire you for taking your passport back by oh. through this process? Okay, in this situation, let's say uh, you apply for your passport, you have the order, the employer come and say, okay, if you want to enforce it, enforce it, but you will be fired. Okay, you enforce it, you get fired. In this situation, you were fired for an invalid reason where you will be entitled for arbitrary dismissal under the UAE law, it's up to three months full salary. And even if they fire you immediately, also you are entitled for compensation for at least one month's notice period. So we are talking about four months plus unless your notice is longer. But yes, in this situation, you have to be aware about the fact that if you have a fight with your employer, yes, you might be fired and there you can obtain the uh, compensation mentioned in the law, which is up to three months salary. And okay. is that an expensive process? Yeah, basically, if we are talking about employment cases, as long, let's say, take Dubai as an example, if we are talking about a claim which is less than 100,000 dirham, your filing fees are zero. You just have to pay the typing fees or the fees of your lawyer. If we are talking about a claim that it exceeds the 100,000 dirham, in this situation, a 5% uh, fee, uh, filing fee will apply and it's capped at 20,000. So basically, you're not going to draw more than 20,000. All right, then. Here's a question I don't know if you can answer this. Let's go back to the uh, domestic workers uh, law. Uh, for if, if you have somebody who comes and looks after your house, a housekeeper who comes twice a week, I pay a company that employs, uh, you pay a company that employs and sponsors her. Uh, is it any different if you're working for you know, one of these uh, a maids company rather than uh, an individual uh, employer? Basically, if we are talking, because we know that there is these companies who provide maids on hourly rates, on hourly basis yeah, on a, on a basically basis. if let's say you are the landlord and you are hiring this company basically you are hiring the company you are not hiring the maid herself or yes. himself so basically you are not under this law no uh, any dispute that may happen there it will be between the maid herself for example and the company that hired her not you as an individual because okay. she you don't sponsor her you don't have even a contract with her your contract is be- the contract is between you and her employer Okay, so you're you're being provided mm. a service so it, it is, that's a yeah. different relationship but if uh, the maid is the maid's contract in this case with the company that you are it's an hiring, employment it's an employment contract. is a standard employment contract yes. okay, yeah, because she works for a company she's not a domestic worker despite like the task she will be doing will look similar to a domestic helper while she's not actually she's not right okay Ali Al-Assad is from Yamalava and Pleska he is our legal expert uh, periodically I'm not sure if Ludmilla's next back next week I believe next week right? Ludmilla will be with you okay yeah. well Ali we'll see you very soon it's been uh, good to have you here as it always is thank you our pleasure there's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.